Hey everybody, this is Opposing the Matrix, and today it is the uh, 28th of, oh my goodness, 28th of October already. Only so many days left uh, to shop for, for <coughs> Christmas, so if you haven't done it, started it yet, you might want to uh, now. Um, with us uh, today, oh my goodness, we have Eric and Jim, like, like usual, and we have Ron Billis with us. Ron um, comes to us because of Jim. Uh, Jim um, brought him on, and uh, Jim has been watching his ministry and, and thinks it's really cool. So Ron's going to get on. He's going to tell us about his, his ministry and what he does and and uh, and everything else. And and uh, but uh, guys, before we get going, have you you saw what happened in uh, uh, over in um, uh, where would it have been? <laughs> In the Middle East, let's put it that way, uh, with uh, them getting that bad guy over there, huh? Oh, uh, the ISIS leader. Baghdadi. Yes. Al-Baghdadi, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Did, did you notice what uh, Trump said about him? Yeah, that he no. was crying and whimpering and everything else. And, and he, he actually mentioned that on, on the air, which is... Quite something, you know. Well, he also said that he died like a dog, which is like the ultimate insult to to every Muslim in the world. Yeah. So, yeah, right. But sometimes you have to set an example, you know. Yeah. Just I mean, uh, sad, but you have, you have no choice. Doesn't get his seventy versions or seventy two or whatever it is, does he? No, I guess not. But they they posted a picture on Twitter today of the uh, actually the dog that tracked them down and uh, beautiful German Shepherd. Um. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, the other night he had Twittered that uh, he had some really big news that he wanted to share with everybody, and he never said what it was. And uh, <laughs> the next morning we all found out, you know, what had actually happened. A lot of us were like, wow, you know, did he arrest Hillary and Schiff and everything else? And uh, No, not not yet. But um, So that was the big news, and it is pretty good news. And unlike uh, the Osama bin Laden thing, um, this guy's really dead and died a couple of days ago, not 10 years ago in a cave, and he's just taking credit for it now. Right. So, anyway, um, so, uh, the, I don't know, does, do any of you guys check Twitter at all, or? No, I don't even have a Twitter account. Okay. okay. I, I do from time, time to time. Yeah, there's two guys on there. There's one guy that calls himself JFK Jr. <laughs> the other guy that, um, Oh, I can't. Yeah, he's it's JFK Jr. and it's some name after it. And one of them looks like an age progression uh, software was done on him. Whoever, however, maybe not. And the other one actually looks like a, an older Kennedy, uh, one that would be about my age because I think he was only a year younger than me. I was in '59 and he was in '60. So uh, I don't know. I uh, I'm lending myself more and more to the fact that this guy's still alive and he never died. And uh, that he he took himself out of the picture because Hillary was going to do it if he didn't do it, and uh, so anyway, um, I sorry I didn't mean to digress into that. So um, 
No, this just, seems to be something that's typical, though, you know? I mean, whenever you see someone who dies, then instantly they're cremated. They don't have any um, forensic studies uh, done on them or anything. Um, you know, everything's, like, fast-tracked to where, you know, before you can even think about it, they're already a pile of ashes. Um, you're covering something up or you didn't really die. So, you know, something's going on. And that happened in his case, so... You know, it's very typical of somebody that's, you know, either, you know, he was murdered and it's being covered up or he never died and it's being covered up that way. Well, I'm so, pretty sure he was aware of Hillary's body count, you know, oh, way yeah. back then and uh, didn't want yep. to become part of it. And seeing that as his father, his uncle and uh, and his and his oldest uncle, basically, there's questions about the way that he died over uh, Germany or France, excuse me, uh, way back when. But, uh, you know, I probably figured if it was, it's a good idea for me to come out of the picture right now and then come back later on. So uh, if it's true, it's, it's going to be a, a monumental thing. It really is. And, uh, and if, it's the, if the guy is 100% pro uh, Mr. Trump, then, uh, boy, what a running ticket that would be. But mm. um, anyway, I don't want to get into that too much. But uh, anyway, Jim, so I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, you know R- R- Ron? Yeah, Ron. Ron better than than any of us here, and uh, maybe you can introduce him. And uh, Ron, uh, please just uh, tell us all about yourself, what you do, and uh, um, I, I'm 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 intrigued from what Jim's told me. So uh, go ahead and go for it. Well, I met I met Ron about maybe eight months ago, maybe. Oh, Something like that. Around eight months ago, uh, he started coming down to uh, Shane Street at Peacemakers, and he started working with uh, uh, some of the people in, you know, through addiction counseling and everything, uh, basically being a mentor, a supporter, an encourager to the people that are, you know, addicted from whatever the addiction might be. And the way Peacemakers is, is it's kind of like when – all else have failed at, when people have failed and washed up through other programs and everything. Um, the last best hope that a person has is usually going to be um, peacemakers. We take everybody and anybody and we take all of the hard core washouts. People that have, uh, you know, they're on their last lap. So if you blow it through peacemakers, it's like you're determined. <laughs> you don't really want help. Um and we give everybody a second chance from a second chance that they've already had. We've had pretty good success. And usually the people that come down there to do that are people that also have had personal experience in, in addictions. And it's quite different. I think a lot of people don't realize we're going down there and, and ministering to those that are addicted, but we're not ministering to people that are destitute totally uneducated, totally not in touch with uh, reality or anything. A lot of these people are were former business professionals, uh, degreed, educated, highly qualified. They just got addicted. Satan comes to rob, kill, and destroy, and he's robbed them from their good life, from their education, from their families, from their forward progress in life, and taken everything away. They've touched the bottom. So it's a it's a mixed bag of, of things. But even now, today's uh, almost every homeless person, educated or not, um, has a smartphone 
it's how they get their drugs and alcohol or their other uh, addictions. And thanks to Obama, everybody's got a phone now. So um, everybody's hooked in. Everybody watches the same kinds of programs and everything. And you'd be surprised how well-informed many of these people are. And so even in a bizarre ministry like I have or like um, Ron has, that element is actually being used down there. And I find it an interesting gap that I get to not only help encourage people out of their addictions, but um, they are carrying around the same questions everybody else does in society as far as did aliens create this? Are they, is there really something to all of this? What about the new age movement? What about this experience or that experience that I've had? Um, they've got the same kind of questions and they're getting very little answers because most of the watchmen are in the highly um, profiled areas of society um, thinking that that's where you're supposed to be. It's where academia is. And yet everybody needs to know these things. Well, we're filling a gap that no one else does. So with that, I'll just turn it over to Ron and let him uh, discuss, you know, what his background is, how he got saved, what he went through and how he's and what his ministry is now dealing with uh, primarily a lot with the new age as well as addictions. So Ron, go ahead and take over, man, wherever you want to start. Well, First, I want to say thanks for uh, having me on the show. I'm very grateful and praise the Lord. Um, you know, Jim was talking and, uh, you know, my whole life I kind of was searching for answers. You know, I, I actually grew up Catholic and I went to Catholic school a few years and went to catechism. But, you know, being Catholic, I never really learned the gospel. I didn't learn as much as I should have. And, you know, so I grew up learning evolution and science and all that, sure. but something never, no, no, never felt right. I just, there was always something missing. Like I'd see the world and nothing, everything seemed kind of backwards to me. But so just like, like anyone in a world like that, I guess I tried to escape and, you know, you can escape two ways. You can put your faith in God and, you know, leave the world or you can turn to drugs. So, you know, I ended up turning to drugs and actually, uh, I didn't take care of myself. I, uh, I was sick for a really long time and I couldn't figure out what was going on. And basically what I was doing is I was kind of just creating my own misery. I uh, I always thought negative. I grew up in a negative family. So just the negativity around me, that's all I knew. So I would dwell on stuff and I would just think negative thoughts and it, it would create bad stuff in my life. And it took me 33 years, but finally... Two years ago, I was actually uh, reading the Emerald Tablets, and something just clicked. And I realized that, you know, our thoughts are the most powerful thing in the world. And, you know, for every cause, there's an effect. So every time we, we speak a word, we have a thought, we, you know, we make an action, we make a move. It's all 
to all these causes and in turn they'll create effects so if you're putting out good causes they're going to create good good effects so i mean there's a lot more to my testimony but um it's just i don't know i've been walking with god for two years and it's been the best two years of my life what what are the emerald tablets i'm just curious oh um Honestly, it's hard to explain. I guess it was a book, actually not even a book. It was these tablets that were found in the Great Pyramid. And I don't know, this guy in 1923, when he found them, he was able to translate them in the pyramid and he channeled the spirit of... uh, Thoth and Egyptian mysticism. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. And um, so when he channeled it, he wrote it down all in English because he spoke English, I guess. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't even know if the story is true, but everything I've read in that book has proved to be true. It's it's worded in a way that is different than the Bible, but. Everything I've learned is just, it's, it's, it's kind of mind blowing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it's like, uh, what I learned from it is that words are just symbols of meaning and that's it. Right. So like there's, you know, there's five words that can mean the same thing. So a lot of times, you know, Christians or any other kind of people, you say a word and they like, they automatically cling to something even though you mean it in a different way, they take it in another way. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I do, as a matter of fact. Well, what is, what's amazing, you know, is that, that sometimes God can reach us wherever we're at, no matter how far out it is. And so here's something that's basically a cult, and out of your own words, you know, you said that, that uh, they were inspired through channeling. Well, God doesn't communicate that way. Satan does. But Satan will always use an element of truth to establish a, a certain amount of level of credibility, but then he'll take you to a wrong premise and a wrong conclusion that's sandwiched in between that basic truth. So the little bit of a basic truth is what the Lord used to reach him to bring him to the biblical truth and perspective of the importance of the tongue, the importance of um, what you confess and, and having it become reality. And this is where the whole idea of quantum physics really confirms that concept from a biblical perspective. All that we hold dear and true and all the things that we're told and warned about the tongue being a rudder and steering the course and as a man thinketh, so is he. You know, these these things are exactly what quantum physics has established as the basic physics, a structure that God created. So that's the element of truth. But the emerald tab- tablets, not what I would suggest any Christian to read to come to Christ, but that's how awesome God is that he can find <laughs> us yeah. in any cranny if we're willing to seek him with his whole, with our whole hearts. Well, what, I, what I'm getting out of this, Jim, too, is that I'm sorry to mean to cut you off, but you know, and I get a thought, I got to get it out. Yeah, it's right. Gone. Go ahead. Um, you know, uh, I was brought up uh, Episcopalian, and that's not very far away from Catholic. So I, I know how you grew up, basically. We just didn't have the Pope. Basically, um, and you didn't. <laughs> yeah, but I remember stand up, sit down, and also with you. 
Yeah. <laughs> so the, the thing is that is that you know so we we learned uh, like a rudimentary uh, about that there is a God that He had a Son and stuff, much like you would get in the Catechism, and but after that you get away from it, and then <coughs> excuse me. So I would start reading books by Ruth Montgomery. Um, Alice Bailey and stuff like that, and noticed yeah. that she was trying to sway people away from hell. And I was going, wait a minute, that's not what I heard to begin with. So there, here you got people saying there is no hell, everybody's going to heaven. Then you have the upper, other side saying, no, only if you believe in Jesus you're going to heaven. So then, I don't know, Ron, if that's what happened to you, but that, that's what caused me to to start thinking, wait a minute, there's somebody that's not quite telling the truth here, and i got to figure out who it is, and it sets you on that quest. So um, so I could totally identify with what, you, what you're saying here. Yeah, I actually kind of wanted to, to add some more. Like, mm-hmm. you know, two years ago, I was just, I was at a point in my life where I was just, I just wanted to give up. And I had been through a lot of stuff, drug addiction, and I had been to jail and rehab and everything like that. And I don't know what it was. I just, I decided to give God one more chance because I kind of knew him when I was younger, but I didn't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I just say, I'm God, I'm giving my life to you. Just, you got to get me out of this, lead the way. And like the first thing that he does, did was he showed me the Emerald Tablets. And that's him knowing that that was what was going to reach me, like Jim was saying. Mm-hmm. And, something went off in me and I got to positive thinking, started believing, you know, projecting good stuff, ended up getting a really good job, started getting healthier whatnot. And like three months later, he led me down to peacemakers. And that was the first time I heard someone actually channel God, like a pastor actually speak, like, you know, let the spirit flow through him and speak the word of God. And, it was exactly what I needed to hear. So I'm like, wow, that's a, that's a weird coincidence. I came back again and again. And fifth time, I'm just like, all right, Jesus, it is God. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of cool. You know, it's like the whole idea of channeling. He understood there's a deeper personal relationship. So when he heard you could channel Jesus. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. you know, then he got, he got hooked, hooked, line and sinker. So. It's it's been pretty unique. Um, I've heard him talk to some of the guys and how he explains uh, different things. And him being, you know, it takes one to know one. If you've been addicted, then you you know the struggle uh, that it can be, but also the victory once you start trusting in Jesus and he can set you free completely. So he's been able, he's been able to work in a capacity of, of ministering to those who are addicted, but also those who are confused or uncertain about uh, the new age movement some of its realities and then i've i've seen ron work and reveal the biblical truth aspect in relationship to the the occult aspect and uh explain the biblical way and you know back to support it with scripture but you know it was a learning process for him too he was learning more on his own personal walk and he would get understandings or promptings from the Holy Spirit. And maybe he didn't know the scriptures, but he was around Christians who did know the scriptures and confirmed uh, as he was learning, he was getting confirmation. Well, this is what the scriptures say about that. Well, this is what the scriptures, how it fits into the word of God. So he was 
getting everything bound, uh, you know, and centered on uh, the, the scriptures. So um, it's just interesting how God can use us coming from very obscure ways and then fulfilling, you know, filling in the gap. I mean, for the kind of stuff they, that, that we deal and talk about all the time, um, you don't see people go into the inner city and bring that message. Right. Most people think it would be a waste of time. Most people don't understand that stuff. They can't comprehend it or, uh, or they're not even interested in it. They're too busy struggling with, you know, trying to survive. Well, that's not quite true. And I think uh, this is what Ron kind of helps validate that. He came from a rather obscure way. And now from that obscurity, he's also able to help uh, people in the hood because they're not getting the information like many of us who live more in the suburbs would would be more able to hear some of these kinds of responses and answers because that's where all the seminars and other things are going. You don't have them in the, in the hood, Yeah. but God has his people in the hood. I'm just and, curious, uh, Ron, you, have you noticed, and I don't even know if you know, you're, you're the kind of person that does this. I analyze everything. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> But um, have you noticed that that the people that you minister to, you know, especially those that are in the new age, if they if they came out of any particular mindset, um, I, I've I've found that quite a few of them have come out of uh, main main mainline uh, Christian Christianity, you know, Catholicism, Episcopalianism, uh, even Lutheranism and Methodism, you know, um, they just didn't find what they were looking for there. So have you found that also? Um, I don't know. I try not to uh, to say too much. I try to just plant seeds. Oh, good. And you know, let people figure it out on their own. Because you know, if you you just kind of got to trust God and and give them what God wants them to hear. Right. He knows more. He knows way more than I do. Oh yeah, infinitely <laughs> more than all of us put together. <laughs> That's for sure. So I mean, yeah, it's just there's there's a lot that goes into it. It's it's just trusting God. But you're finding that God is leading. He it's like he leads people to you, huh? Oh yeah, I mean, I feel like he he led me to peacemakers, and he keeps leading me down there because every time I go down there, it's a divine connection or appointment or this or that. Someone needs this, and I'm just. I'm thankful that he can use me. Oh, that's neat. Bless the Lord. So what about something that you were telling me about that I found totally fascinating? Maybe you can share with uh, our audience that now you had taken the, the, uh, the seven points of a chakra and you lined that up like an overlay or transparency. You've got the seven points of chakra and then you take the seven deadly sins mentioned in uh, Proverbs and you have those listed and you put a transparency one on top of the other. You showed me this, you know, um, down at Peacemakers and it blew me away. I said, Oh, I got to get you. I got to bring <laughs> you on the program so you can explain this. And so somehow that these seven deadly sins correspond with the seven different points as cause and effect patterns for diseases. And now this is something probably the Lord showed you because you were saying that your health was always bad, and obviously you were somewhat concerned about that. 
And so this is maybe a personal way that God was showing you uh, an answer that's kind of like maybe even like hidden in his word. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, God, God's kingdom is based on law. It's based on order. So basically there's like a blueprint to his kingdom. And I mean, we all know about the Trinity and, you know, we're threefold in God's image, you know, our soul, spirit, body. But then from that came Jesus, the word, right? And Jesus, if you, if you look in a lot of scriptures, Jesus has, he's like the stone with seven facets or seven eyes or the seven angels. It's like Jesus is sevenfold and like Jesus is the whole body, all creation. So we're all sevenfold also in God's image. And if he's in the best way to picture this would be like the rainbow, the seven colors and or the seven musical notes. Like all the creation is based on this. So basically it's tough to explain, but, um, you know, they call them the seven deadly sins because if you do too much of them, they'll manifest as like sicknesses or illnesses, conditions in your body. And that was a pretty crazy revelation that I had. And I've actually noticed it because, um, you know, most of my life, I'd probably say my worst sin was gluttony, just overindulging. You know, I, I lack moderation when it came to pills and just whatever drinking. And, and I ended up getting this, this infection, this condition in my neck. And that's what was actually causing me to take more medication. And it was like kind of a vicious cycle. So the more I, I learned to, uh, to deny myself these sins, the more and more my condition got better and better. And so basically what Jim was trying to say is, uh, so I don't know if you guys know about chakras. I was going to ask you to explain that. Yeah. Okay. Cause I hate using that word because people think something else. So I'm just going to say like seven energy points within mm-hmm. and, uh, the lowest one would be around, you know, around your pelvis. It would it would be the color red, and this one would correspond to the sloth. But the virtue of that would be diligence. So, you know, a lot of people, you know, they'll have like lower body, you know, knee problems, back pain, all that, you know, and I, I found a lot of them. It's they're they're just lazy and I I hate to say that but you know like people with back pain you know they tell you to keep moving and you'll feel better and it's the truth because you know if you're diligent yeah. you keep moving you'll feel better your your back pain will go away and and that's just that's one of them you know sloth is I call it the gateway sin because idle hands lead to all the other sins and then um the next one you you move up on your body and this would be uh this would be the color orange and it has to do with lust, like your sexual organs and all that. And obviously the opposite of, uh, of lust would be chastity. So, you know, people, people are kind of lustful, promiscuous. They tend to end up with, uh, bladder problems, you know, sexual diseases, stuff like that. Are you guys following this at all? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm following it really well. I'm writing it down, as a matter of fact. Wow. All right, cool. So then um, the next one up from that would be the color yellow. It has to do with, like, your stomach. And this one, the sin would be greed. And the virtue for that would be charity. And I've actually seen this with other people. You know, people, I mean, greed can be in, in a lot of ways. It's not just money. It could be, you know, they, they want all the women. They want all of this, all of that. <clears throat> and, you know, I guess, you know, people with stomach problems, I've found, tend to be a little bit greedy. But, I mean, I I welcome you guys to uh, to look at it in your own lives and, and just kind of pay attention. Don't judge people for it or anything, but because we're all we're all victims to these sins. Sure. Actually, I'm um, looking at my own life when when you're saying these things. <laughs> um. So then the next one. This one's really important. This is this is your heart. Um. This is the color green and corresponds with nature and beauty and all that. And uh, the sin for this is wrath. I mean, you call it anger too. And uh, the virtue for that would be patience. And I've learned that, you know, love is patience and understanding. You add understanding and patience together, and that's love. So the downside would be, like, unforgiveness, you think? Or, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. vengefulness. Yeah, and, wrath would be unforgiveness. Yeah. The, um, the hurt is always, hurt will turn into anger, anger will turn into a, a sense of wanting revenge and that's where the unforgiveness comes in you don't want to forgive you want to get you want to get even you want to get back <laughs> yeah so mm-hmm. exactly and uh i i know i i've been wrathful before and so that would come into heart disease and stuff like that. yeah yeah i've had chest well, pains and lung problems and i've had anger issues a lot in my life and i have a heart condition yeah same here Directly related, uh, absolutely. I tell you, brother, that it, it bears witness with me. I think it's rather it's fascinating that. Let's continue on. What's what's the rest of it? Okay, <laughs> we're up to the heart now. We got a couple more to go yet, right? Yeah, there's uh, there's three more. Um, the next one, it has to do with your neck and the color blue, like light blue, and uh, the sins gluttony, and the virtue would be. Uh, temperance, another word for that would be moderation. Yeah. And like, again, that, that played with myself and not only this, this chakra is a little different because it has to do with communication as well. And I always spoke, I never, I never was articulate. I always spoke a lot of bad jokes and I even, even when people would come at me like, "Oh, you need Jesus," I would. I used to say, "F Jesus," and I, I've repented so hard for that, and I feel like that was part of why God put that illness on me. So that one's a. Uh, a lot of people have trouble with gluttony in this world. It's it's pretty tough. Well, you know that one kind of bears witness with me. I had esophageal cancer. Mm-hmm. And I had a caustic mouth. Boy, oh boy, did I have a mouth. Mm. Um, it kind of went with my anger issues, too. But I had a, I had a mouth that just uh, would just go out of control. And uh, uh, direct, it, you know, it. Don't, don't you guys agree that, you know, as you 
progress in your walk with the Lord, the more you do, the more you see there is no such thing as coincidence. Oh, exactly. When you see well, those connections, you know, then you got to really stand back in awe and realize this is part of God's order. This is part of his construction. We can learn a lot from that so that, my gosh, you know, here I've got a heart condition. Here I've got um, an esophageal condition. And look at my mouth and look at my anger that I've harbored, unforgiveness and a lack of patience. I mean, these things are what God has been working with me. And I'd say more so in the last 10 years, probably even more in the last five years than, than all of my life. Um, and being healed and being brought to a whole different level of of uh, the way I speak, the way I um, don't get angry anymore. We have a deeper understanding. And, you know, health-wise, I got the maximum reward for what I had been sowing, but now I'm getting, by God's grace and mercy, supernaturally delivered from that. So, I mean, you know, I got healed from the esophageal cancer with no um, operations or anything, and I'm believing, you know, that I'll eventually have my heart restored, my veins restored, and, and my diabetes totally beaten mm-hmm. as long as I do my part. But what my part is with the way he shows this correlation, it just makes it all that more easier to focus in on just cause and effect. Right. And I, it's just incredible. Yeah, this is really oh. speaking to me, too. <laughs> I, I forgot to mention the numbers line up with, with these two. But it doesn't go like you think. Like, um, for instance, sloth, that would be number three. Lust would be four. Greed would be five. Wrath would be six. Gluttony would be seven. And then uh, I can go on if you guys yeah, go ahead. keep going. Yes. Four, five. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can explain the other numbers before that. They kind of go with the Trinity. But I'll get to that later, I guess. Um, so the next one is envy, and um, it has to do with the color indigo. It is uh, it corresponds with uh, your pituitary gland, like your uh, your intuition, I guess. That's what you could say. And um, you know, I actually I asked my mom one time. I'm like, I asked her what her what number like resonated with her, and I already knew the answer. <clears throat> Cause I always, I always sensed a lot of envy and jealousy in her and I'm not judging or anything. It's my mother. I love her and we, we all have our problems, but, um, anyways, she told me the number eight. I was like, I knew it. She's like, why? It's like, ah, would you feel like you're kind of envious a little bit? She's like, yeah, that's like my biggest sin. And she used to get the worst migraine headaches and mm. that that's exactly how, how it works. Wow. That's amazing. This is amazing. You know, my daughter gets serious migraine headaches. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. I guess I get, I'll get together on Thanksgiving with her. I got some things I got to share with her on that one. That's cool. Yeah. So, so um, we'll go to the to the last one, and this is the most important. This is the number nine. It's the color violet, and it uh. You guys know what the uh, the utmost sin is, right? Well, it's, it's mm, against the Holy Spirit, right? Well, yeah, I guess you're right there. 
Um, <laughs> it doesn't get worse than that. <laughs> I mean, and it's it's actually exactly what I was going to say, which is pride, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing, right? Yep. Right. So, uh, and what I've learned in, in life is the whole point of this, this whole test trial here is, is to be humbled and realize that we need God because Amen. he's our creator and our father. And, um, you know, this has to do with our pineal gland, which is actually our connection with God. And, uh, I, I really, there's no like one way it manifests. I just know that the one time in my life I was arrogant and prideful and I didn't humble myself. God humbled me hard. And I, I don't know if it's a physical thing because it, it your pineal gland is more of a spiritual connection. And I think it's just, it kind of, it just it takes you down spiritually when you're prideful. Right. Right. Um, you know, I was thinking, cause we're going up from the bottom of the spine all the way up to the top of the head here. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, uh, the pineal gland, um, actually I had another question for you, but I'll wait for that one for a second. But the, uh, the pineal, the pineal gland interacts with the uh, the frontal uh, cortex of the cerebrum, yeah, or cerebellum. Excuse me, no cerebrum. Yeah, cerebral. Okay, yeah, cerebrum. And uh, <laughs> and so when when you have uh, the uh, the because I, I know they call it the third eye or the spirit gland. Mm-hmm. And so when you have the spiritual uh, it, act, acting with the uh, the thinking part of your brain, it, if if you're walking without pride or if you're walking with uh, with the Lord and, and things like that, and, and believe me, nobody totally walks with the Lord 100% of the time. <laughs> and if, if somebody says they do, they do, then they need to they need to go back and look at uh, the, the sin of lying. Um, but, uh, <laughs> resist, God resists the prideful and gives grace to the humble. Exactly. If you need, so, if you need grace, being humble isn't a feeling it's not an option it's you got to do action yeah it's so if you're if you're if you're a prideful person and you're walking in this world and it's affected by the pineal gland then then you're you know to me i think and and correct me if i'm wrong ron but uh it's actually giving license to beings that live in the spiritual world that are not so nice to to have control of your life however if you're living for the lord or at least trying to live for the lord uh, in a relationship with him, then the pineal gland would have a positive effect on the cerebrum and help you to, have, to not have so, so maybe not have so many impure thoughts, uh, not think evil about people. And and I see a circle here, Ron. Am I am I am I mistaken, or it's almost like this thing goes in a big circle? Oh man, Dave, <laughs> you just hit a home run, a grand slam. Absolutely. Remember, you were telling me that you texted me last week. Yeah, about a cir- about the circle, about everything being a circle. Oh yeah, that's exactly yeah, that, what Dave said. I mean, that's God's kingdom, awesome, the man. circle, beginningless yep. and endless. Like actually, what you were saying, I never thought about it like that. But the but the effects that you were talking about, but you actually, that's, that that's was really well, good. You know, the definite, the biblical definition of eternity is a cyclic pattern. It's not stasis. It's not static. So it's like we get into heaven, we're outside of time. It isn't that everything's frozen still. 
not moving. It's going in cycles and patterns. Now, unfortunately, the the um, the New Agers, because of that, because they're aware of that direct Hebraic connotation of eternity, they're trying to say that that justifies um, reincarnation, and that's a bunch of baloney. But um, but the idea of eternity is a continual cycle of movement but it always goes back full circle the beginning is the end the end is the beginning a crazy kind of a thing and not a unitarian thing that that like new ages try to make a claim to but um the way it would be scriptural is that um you know we've heard and we've discussed this before eric uh dave about um lilith and the pre-flood you know what what might have existed or whatever. Well, the thing is that God clearly tells us in Ecclesiastes that the former things are not known now, just as the things today will not be known in the world to come. So God is telling us right there, yes, there are things that happened before I created you. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be other things that are going to be happening that I'm using you with as you are co-rulers in my eternity. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to know of each other because I'm not telling. Now, when you, us, fallen man, come into a four-dimensional universe of heaven, we will know even as we're known. Then we're going to have access to all of this understanding and this knowledge because now we are outside of time. Now we are in a fourth-dimensional d- existence, and it all will make sense. It won't fully make sense, and we can't even fully comprehend it in this limited three-dimensional life that we live in right now. Because mm, we're just a flame bound to a body right pretty, now. Pretty much, yeah. And we're, so we're very restricted and limited in our, our, our ability to perceive. But when we stand before him, we will know even as we are known. So that's going to be pretty awesome. So when people talk about, you know, um, Lilith and, you know, the relationship she had with Adam before Eve and all this stuff. You know what? There might be a part truth there. But God isn't telling us this. He told us in his word he's not going to tell us. So why do we insist on, you know, uh, speculating or contemplating or trying to guess what happened before this order of creation that God is, that we are currently stuck in? When God clearly says, I'm not going to tell you. It's just like, you know, I know the day that Jesus is coming back. No, the Bible clearly tells you you're not going to know. It's going to be an aha moment. So as soon as somebody says that, I don't know about you, but I'm sticking my fingers in my ears going, ignoring you, not listening, <laughs> because it's in direct conflict with the word of God. Yeah. So I think it's fascinating to me. This is fascinating because what is the one thing that everybody always quotes and they quote half of it and they don't quote the other half. Oh, I has not seen or ear heard the things that he has got prepared for us. Oh man, if we knew it'd blow our minds. Hey, hello, McFly, look at the rest of the scripture there. But these things he has revealed unto us. Mm-hmm. Oh, we get a glimpse of what we will do. A glimpse, not a total understanding or knowledge, but a glimpse to have a hope to fix our and anchor our futures on joint heirs and co-rulers with Christ. What could that possibly mean? Wow. Whatever it is, it's going to be out of this world. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. I think it's given me a clue now that I understand about space time, about quantum physics, about a multiverse. Oh, I never believed in no multiverse. Hey, we got enough time, you know, screwed up our own time, let alone, 
you know, multiple uh, universes and stuff, and in no way. But then all of a sudden, I realized that in quantum physics, the multiverse is the only common sense thing that fits the model. Right. Yeah, it's like cycles within cycles. And well, yeah. And the thing is, sin and its ripple effect that sin will have is almost infinite. So that for every decision or non-decision that I make that is not in conformity to the will of God creates an alternate universe. Do you realize every person that's born, I'm blowing my mind right now, just even trying to get a grasp on that. I don't know if it creates Well, here, just, just consider this. I don't know how bad, I don't know how big it is, but here's the thing. Jesus says that he has made everything perfect in his day, in his time. Now, he says also that I am able to subdue all things unto myself. So he's saying, okay, guys, yeah, that sounds pretty big and pretty out of control. But you know what? I am able to bring all of this back together as one universe, one God, one people. Yes. And that's what he's going to ultimately bring it back to. We might have an active part in repairing all the damage that's been done. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's what blows my. You know the thing, man. When I see when I see um, some of these time travel movies where people are, you know, uh, a part of an organization and they're going back and they're repairing and making sure that everything's getting brought back to the way it's supposed to be and everything. And I'm thinking that would be like heaven on earth for someone like me. I'm a history nut. I love, you know, I love interacting and and wait a minute, we're a watcher. We're the great cloud of witness it's, that's bearing witness. What to, well, because, you know, that's, that's a, that's a mind blow in itself. But then could we be actually being, we're dispatching angels that are going about doing God's work. Could part of that be that, oh my gosh, maybe we're repairing all these multiverses as we conform our likeness to Christ? Because our hope of glory is Christ in us. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that's going to last forever. So the more that we are able to bring our lives into the conformity of Christ, the more these other alternate decisions implode upon themselves. It's like they literally disappear because our lives are coming back and he's able to subdue all things to himself. So what sounds like it's like running rampant out of control, it's not really out of control. It's right. God is letting us know this is how this is how vast sin can take a, a root on itself and cause all these thousands and billions of multiverses with every individual that's here. But God's got it all in control and it all implodes into itself as we conform our lives into the likeness of Christ. So sin can't go running rampant off on this other you know, little universe. One, this whole universe was just based on a wrong decision or, or that you either did or didn't do. And so when you finally understand it and have the hope of glory of Christ in you, then those things go away. They implode. That's right. How much of an active part we might actually play in it? It's just like the same thing. You know, we were talking last week, I think, guys, when we were talking about the, the Calvinist model of predestination, that God has already predetermined his children or heaven. So, some people say, well, why evangelize then? Heck, it's all on autopilot. Yeah, but do you want to be an active part of that? Or are you just going to sit back and let someone else do it? Because God still has to use people to bring his people to Christ. He knows already who's going to be there and who isn't going to be there. But it's still an active participation on our part to get involved with God, to preach the gospel, to bring uh, everything back together where it belongs. So 
<clears throat> one of the greatest joys I have experienced even on this earth is when people come up, and I've had this happen more than once, people come up and say, you know, I'm here today because, do you remember when I was this kid, I picked, you picked up hitchhiking, you told me about Jesus, you told me the same thing that, that my grandma told me, and I went to church the next week and got saved. And uh, the reason I got a music ministry today is because of what you what you started in me. You planted a seed in me. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. So can you imagine going into heaven and you have a room filled with thousands of people? They're all testifying. I'm here because of what he said, what he did, what he showed me. Uh, that get, That is a wonderful thing. That's heaven. Or you're going to be one of these uh, chosen frozen. Just sit back and let someone else do it. I don't have to worry about it. And you're just sitting there all by yourself waiting to see if anybody's got anything to say about you. And it's like, wow, you got here by the skin of your teeth, didn't you? You weren't very wise. You didn't share anything to anybody. You hid your talents under a, a basket. Right. You weren't a, a light set up on a hill. Mm -hmm. So that's embarrassing. So, yeah, it's an act of participation. So why couldn't it be that we're actively participating in our own um damage repair or what sin has done in the world. I'm not, you know, I could be all wrong, but it's, it is something I think is an indication as a hope for the future as a joint heir and co-ruler. This is what I could actually be doing for all of eternity. Oh my God, that's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's going to be great. I was going to ask Ron, um, Ron, are you familiar with the, uh, the term indigo children? Yeah, I've heard that before. Okay. Um, basically, you know, I know that uh, you probably know, but I'll re-educate the listeners. Basically, they're they're a, a group of children that um, supposedly are they call them star children and other things too that uh, are special. They're the next step up in our human evolution and things like that. But it's more of a spiritual evolution than it is a physical. But um, I find it awful interesting that one of the colors is indigo because you said that the the sin is envy, and um, and if you read uh, about indigo children, frankly, I think that they're just you know children that are you know parents have refused to discipline them, so they're they're exhibiting most of the signs, most of the seven deadly sins, but. Uh, um, it's the yeah. yeah, so it's it's a sociopath. <laughs> yeah, the, it's interesting that the the color is is definitely labeled indigo uh, because I was reading up on the pituitary gland here and and uh, it's affected. Uh, it affects a lot of the of the things that could cause envy, and um, and the very yeah. next one up is pride. And and if you read about the those children. Pride is the ultimate goal of achieving uh, the, the, that the, they want to achieve in these children. Uh, basically, they're they're basic little Christs, and uh, and they're going to lead the world. So, uh, um, have you had a, a a chance or any any um, any way to kind of equate the two, or or just to um, uh, yeah? You, you said you've heard the term. Uh, but, you know, what What do you know about it that might be, you know, useful in determining or not, not even determining or confirming because it's, this thing is confirming itself that you're bringing to us tonight. But um, have you had a chance to meet anybody that claims that they are that way and to see if they they uh, they manifest uh, envy? Yeah, I've had a chance to meet a few people that claim that they are that way. 
you know, um, the only, I, I know about the term, one of my friends, she would, she would talk about it a lot and I haven't really read that much up on it. I just, I, I know of the indigo children. I know they have special, like, what is it? Spiritual gifts. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um, they're, they're basically, like I said, a step up in the evolution. So they have spiritual gifts. They're, uh, they're basically looked at as little messiahs, uh, that are going to save the world. And, um, they, they do, uh, if, if you read up the, the, the classic, uh, definition of a sociopath, basically it describes indigo children to, uh, <laughs> to children, a yeah. you know, you they, did a great they're special. They think they, uh, they're placed here for a certain purpose um, that they'll find out later, uh, and things like that, you know. So it's they're. I mean, it sounds like it sounds like kind of the work of the devil in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if I mean, we all have our purposes here. We're all has our, have our special purpose, divine, whatever you want to call it, to fulfill, but. For these children to be called that, it's just, I forget where I was going with this, but maybe I'm not supposed to speak on this. Okay. Yeah. Well, Dan, the, there's a prophecy in Daniel, in 11th chapter, and uh, it's uh, in two different chapters, one in 8th chapter and the other one in the 11th chapter. And it's talking about, uh, it's addressing more the spirit of Antichrist, but it's saying that, that uh in last, it's in context with the last days. It says that, and then he will sub, uh, seduce many with flatteries, but they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. So there's two things going on here by the by the spirit of Antichrist. He's flattering a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what the indigo children are. They're being told that they're special. There's, you know, that that you're, you know, called to this higher purpose and augmentation of the human race, uh, you know, whatever. Um, and what I noticed is that that's that's what this is all about. This and it's part of this new age movement is. And again, there's a physics that we can't be afraid of. And you were mentioning the different colors. These different colors are what the new agers would call the aura. Then they can actually photograph these auras on everybody. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it, guys. There's a real science here. They really can get. We exude a certain um, aura about us, and it can scientifically be recorded. And there is definitely a correspondence and a relationship. And indigo being, you know, blue would be exactly what that kind of a. Um, well, that's what they call them, the indigo children, because this is the aura that they're radiating. Um, the Holy Spirit, we're the container, and the Holy Spirit is in us, just like the Holy Spirit, uh, God's Spirit, presence was in the Ark of the Covenant, in in the Ark, the God in the box. Uh, the whole thing, that, you know, that uh, the Philistines taking a God in a box and taking to Dagon Temple and everything. You know, that's pretty much basically the slang term that they use. Hey, we captured your God in the box. Aha, we got it. Look what we did. Um, so we're the container now, but still it, it, it exudes a certain presence of God's presence. That's why the more we're walking in the likeness of Christ, the more we exude this presence, this, this 
overflow. Have you, I mean, all of us have experienced it one time or another, if we've ever walked with the Lord for any length of time, that sometimes just by coming into a room, um, we can change the whole atmosphere of that room. Maybe they've been doing some off-color jokes or just, you know, um, making some comments that maybe were inappropriate. And you step in the room and all of a sudden everybody's just, you know, like they're caught or busted. You know, they just change. They don't even know necessarily you're a Christian. You just walked in because you're carrying that presence. Yeah. Part, so, of, part of being a Christian mm-hmm. is being one with the spirit, being one with this this aura around you, this light body, right. this radiant energy. And like that's, you know, the Buddhists call enlightenment or whatever. There's a lot of different well, religions that have similar thing. I mean, I'm not saying it's Oh, no, no, I know. It's a, Jesus, well, but. there's there's a basic... Now, it can be a false reading or a real reading, and it goes back to the pineal gland. The pineal gland is what triggers off DMT. DMT yes. is what triggers off the higher functions of your mind. Uh, on the lower functions, it was, it's what gives you your moral compass, your sense of righteous indignation, a desire to want to take and, and stand for justice, for being fair and what's right. On the higher levels, it's what moves people into the supernatural exuding you know supernatural gifts so uh, a false spirit um that is giving you um revelation in other words you're, you're being a psychic or a true leading of god's spirit you're getting a prophetic word or revelation from god so dmt is what is being used as a chemical released from the pineal gland to initiate that now who's giving you the dmt are you taking it because you took peyote or a certain (laughs) cactus then you're getting a superficial artificial and the only thing is going to be talking to you as a demon are you stimulating um your third eye through meditation in a blanking out of your mind which is contrary to the word of god which again means that you're going to be listening to demon spirits and uh getting a negative thing but you're getting dmt triggered off to allow movement in these upper functions or recently they have been able to um put monitors on the person's brain while there's praise and worship going on during a pentecostal type service and dmt is just flowing like crazy into the upper functions of the mind it is kind of cool it means that and dmt is highly addictive so the thing is, who is flipping the switch? Is God flipping the switch? Because it's provable now that when people are laying hands on others in prayer, DMT is flowing through. As they're saying it be healed in the name of Jesus, there is a real chemical reaction, an electromagnetic radiant of an aura that is going on that is part of physics, just the simple constructive way that God moves. But God is doing the switch. He's flipping the switch. He is using the same physics to do his work. Satan, through artificial means, can produce the same effects, but they're fake. They're false. They're false reads. It's the same physics. It's just the gun sitting on the table. Is it an object of defense or an object of death? What's the purpose? It depends on the person picking it up and what their motivation is. This is good. The gun itself is innate. It's not good or bad. It's just a method or a tool. So God is the one who created the structure. So the structure's there. It's real. 
But is God flipping the switch or is Satan flipping the switch? And that's what we got to understand. And in these days and times now, we need to understand and not be afraid of science and physics when it conforms to the word of God. And it's just merely expressing the way God has created order and structure and the way he moves. And to understand that Satan has hijacked that to make everything of a false counterfeit. So we have to address what is real so that we can counteract what is unreal. If we just deny it, oh, no, that's not the devil. You can't just, you don't go down there. You're you're mixing too many things up. That's new age. You can't. No, we don't have a good enough answer. That's why born-again spirit-filled Christians are defecting over to the um, new age movement because they, they're catching, whoa, wait a minute. We were never taught. Matter of fact, they told us not to go down this. Uh, so, wow, there's something more to it. So you see how they get seduced into the literally the dark side? Mm-hmm. Because the light side is not shining enough light to explain, okay, all right, you know, that's true. There's there's a truth there, but you know what? You're getting it all mixed up with a false premise and a false conclusion. Mm-hmm. It's, it goes back to that joke. I, here's another week. We're going to have the same joke again. God picks up the handful of dirt, makes all the creation, says it's good. Satan grabs that same handful of dirt and says, well, I can do that. And God looks over at Satan and says, hey, that's my dirt. Get your own. Mm-hmm. Well, he can't get his own dirt because he doesn't have any. He's not the creator. All he can do is rip off what God's dirt and then tweak it and mess it up. And so that's what's going on there. The physics is just the structure and order that God has made. Because we can understand it doesn't mean that we can control it. That's what Satan did. That was his mistake. That was his fault. Instead of having faith, instead of uh, of being at awe at how God can be so complex and so creative, so powerful. We think that because we can understand how he's doing something that all of a sudden we can control it. That's, uh, that is so insane. The created will never surpass the creator because the creator is smart enough to stay number one. <laughs> he's not going to, he's not going to, he's going, oops, I didn't see that coming. Gee whiz. No, he's always in control, always have been, always will be. So we need better answers for today so that we can address the counterfeits and call them on the carpet for what they are, cheap imitations that give empty promises and no fulfillment. And so it excites me to see Ron starting out. My gosh, you know, I didn't know that, Ron, that you were that young in Christ, but um I'll tell you, these young people. Now, what would you would you consider yourself a millennial, or or you're kind of like borderline between that and Gen X, or what? I'm um, too sure. I'm actually 35, so I was kind of like. You're kind of like yeah, and you're, my, you're my not really. Yeah. My yeah. brother kind of. <laughs> my brother used the term Generation RX. Which is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, again, the younger the younger people, when they grab a hold of Christ, man, it just seems they they so. <laughs> Yeah. You all right? You with us still? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that was all about. Who? I, I, oh, that wasn't you. I, well, no. No. That stuff you were talking about, DMT, Yeah. it completely confirmed what I read like two days ago about it. Hmm. It was That was amazing. I just wanted to say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, it's, a, uh, there's a guy, um, his name was uh, Rick Strassman. He wrote a book, DMT, The Spirit Molecule, and he was the first one to ever be uh, sanctioned by the, uh, what is it, the um, 
drug enforcement agency, I think, or something to <laughs> to be able to do uh, experiments with a hallucinogen. <laughs> and um, uh, he I would. And, have you heard of him? I I'm I'm not sure if it's a guy, but I've heard of the studies. Yeah, so he would he would uh, inject uh, by IV uh, the DMT. Because usually it takes a while, and you gotta usually take it with something else, or else you get sick if you take it by stomach. But anyway, he uh, he said that the people would go on these fantastic journeys, and he says, but when they encountered <laughs> beings on these journeys, almost every time they would encounter something that looked like what many people would would call an alien from an alien abduction, uh, either a gray or a reptilian or. A lot of people saw some, uh, like a humanoid figure with an alligator head. That would always. Hmm? I just got chills. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. it's it's funny that the four main alien types, you know, would be the the gray type, the reptilian, the insectoid, you know, mantis type, or the uh, the Nordic type, are the same four different major categories of angelic beings, non-human uh, angelic beings. Um, Gosh, do you think maybe the two are related somehow? I mean, you know, those are the four main alien types and the four main um, angelic types. Just saying, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence because we're we're looking at two different sides of the same coin. I mean, um, they're one and the same. To me, the reptilian is the serpent in my mind yeah. when I read the Bible. But right, you know, yeah, exactly. Well, that's what the uh, the whole term uh, helped me, Jim, with uh, the Nakash. Uh, yeah. If gosh. you look at the me- meaning of that, because that's the word that um, the root word for the serpent in the garden, and it means upright, shining creature. Yep. It, uh, it didn't mean snake. Shining one. Yeah. That's yep. awesome. the shining one. Mm-hmm. That's and why it kind of like rest- burned bronze, you know. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I've, I've actually been on a kick looking up um, different words in Hebrew, just like normal words, like names especially, because uh-huh. I learned that in Hebrew, every sound has meaning. Right. And I even looked up the term, uh, you know, we all know what Jesus means. You know, it comes from Joshua, from Yeshua, which means Yahweh's salvation. But I broke down Jesus in actual Hebrew. And what I got was Yahweh's blossom or Yahweh's flower, uh-huh. which is amazing when you think of it. Cause, the Rose of Sharon. <laughs> you know, yeah. Jesus is God's blossom. He's all creation. Yeah. He's yeah. the firstborn. Right. That was pretty amazing. And blossoms produce seeds and seeds, you know, then those seeds go out and produce other seeds. And, you know, yep. the tree of life. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Oh, it's neat that you're getting into to word definitions and things like that. It's uh, it, it 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 casts a whole new light on scripture um, when, when you look up uh, um, different words, you know, and, and find out that uh, uh, Jim and I and and Eric always run into people that will look at a you know like one scripture and base a whole um, a whole doctrine on it without reading what came before it and what came after it. Right, that's, you know that's wrong right there. But um, and and then the second mistake a lot of people will make is they will look at a word and they will look at the definition. However, and I've, I I'll say it till I'm blue in the face that you have to look at the the root word. It's um, 
uh, Hebrew is in many ways is like English in that the verb defines the noun or the noun defined as the verb. And uh, if you just take the noun without without looking at the definition uh, through the verb, you never really get a clear picture of what's going on. Um, yeah, you only get a picture, don't you? Yeah, well, we, we run into that with people in Isaiah, was it 47, where it says God sits above the circle of the earth. Well, the flat, the flat earth people oh, yeah. will always say, oh, well, yeah, see, it's a circle. It means that the earth is flat. Well, no, if you look at the verb that goes along with it, it shows a, a three-dimensional earth, a uh, an earth that's circ- uh, globular in nature. Uh, and if you, if, if you look at the definition, it even says that um, it's it's uh, like, like circumnavigating the globe, and it says like Magellan. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but um, so you gotta, you know, and and all four of us here know that when when somebody comes up to you with something, you know, you have to, if it's something that's, you know, if they say Jesus Christ is Lord, well, we all know that, and that's that's true. But if you know, if they start coming up saying stuff like, well, Jesus, um, Jesus Christ is a Lord, you know. Uh, then you got to start questioning things, you know, like, okay, so that means A means that there's others. So what are you saying, you know? Um, so, but uh, we're, we're told to be wise as uh, serpents, but gentle as doves. And we're, we're told to uh, to examine every word, you know, and not to believe every spirit that comes up to us and talks yep. to us. So, um, you know, so we have to. We have to have the faith of a child, but have the the intelligence of an adult to be able to to uh, to look things up, and also to have the, the 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 cognition to ask the Holy Spirit for help, which we should be doing with everything anyway. But yeah, I mean, I, I had this one guy say one time in a church group that King the King James version is the only real version of the Bible, and I'm, oh boy. I'm like. Uh, I, I didn't say anything back to him, but I mean, obviously it's, it's Hebrew and that's God's language. And I mean, I don't, I'm not hundred percent sure, but if God talked face, he took or he talked face to face with, uh, with Moses. So I feel like it would be his language, mm-hmm. but I mean, I guarantee he wasn't speaking King James English. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. But, I mean, Hebrew is such an advanced language, and, yes. and we don't give it credit, and so much is lost in translation, and a lot of Christians just pay attention to these certain sentences without diving deeper, and especially with, like, uh, burning an eternal hellfire, when you look at the word eternal, the Greek word was aeon, which almost, like, corresponds exactly with our word eon, which is, it's a long period of time, but it's not eternal. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Very good. Oh, yeah. Very good. Absolutely. And this guy's only two years old in the Lord. <laughs> Man. Yeah. That's Boy, by the time he's 10, he's going to be a scholar. He's going to be a Yoda master. Yeah. And at the way things are accelerating, by the time it's 10, it's going to be out. He's going to be outside of time. It doesn't count anymore. <laughs> it's going to be, he's going to know as he's been known. <laughs> That's, that's I right. think that's why the rapid grow, man, with this younger generation. There, there isn't time to learn as long as we've had time to learn. So, you know, they, they're all on crash courses. Yeah. But they've had more to overcome than we've had to. You know, you know uh, I mean, they're living in just such ungodly, crazy times that we never had. I mean, we still lived in an 
day and a time. Well, okay, Eric, I'll, I'm going to exclude you out of that one because you're you just turned 40, didn't you, old man? I did. That's right. Happy birthday! Yeah. Yep. On October 22nd, I did. So I'm old. Yeah, you are. Well, you're sitting right on top of the hill. You're not old. You're not young. You're middle. That's what they call it, middle age. <laughs> yeah, I know. Are you wearing your reading glasses yet? <laughs> oh, I, I wear uh, I wear contacts already, but I've noticed that uh, yeah, I do need uh, for fine prints and st- stuff up close now. I I noticed something has changed in the last year. So uh, welcome. To Don't want to be negative, but it's all downhill from here, bro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. You're not going to win. Entropy will will. Well, you're going to win in Christ, but uh, entropy is still something that uh, we're stuck to in this uh, Pinocchio world of ours. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> hey, I, mentally, I love getting older. Physically, not so much. Oh, amen to that. Well, <laughs> you're 30, 30, what? 35. 35. Double that and see what. <laughs> 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 Imagine having 35 years of being 35. Oh, it doesn't get better, I'll tell you. Uh, Especially when, uh, when you have to write, post some notes and stick them on your screen or you know, on your hand or something, so you don't forget why you just left the room where you were headed to and what you were going to go do. Yeah. You got to turn back in the other room and go, okay, why did I go in there in the first place? Oh, yeah, that's okay. Or you, oh, work, yeah. you work in a hospital where senility is, is you know, around you all everywhere, and then you got to try to keep three steps ahead to try so, so you don't appear to be the, the people that you're taking care of, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and like I was saying, you know, we got so much working against it between Monsanto, between uh, chem sprays, between I mean, my gosh, just about every facet of our life has been designed now to take away our short-term memory uh, effects. So, and it doesn't stand a reason to. I mean, we're at the end of the end. The devil knows it. So now he's throwing everything he possibly can at all of us. So we're all suffering short-term memory loss like never before. I mean, I'm. I mean, I even talk to 20-year-olds, and they're having difficult times with short-term memory loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're smoking too much of that. Uh... Yeah, the, the medical marijuana. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not even that. It's just in the food source itself. You know, I've, you know, in the last year, I've lost 50 pounds myself, and wow. I've been um, sugar corn syrup is really kind of the source of the big problem. Oh, it is. Uh, yeah. That's really affecting memory and stuff like that. I noticed. As I've cut back on that, and you know, I've been doing the whole um, intermediate fasting where I fast, you know, majority of the day, and then I have a window in which I eat. And I noticed that has uh, greatly improved my sensory abilities and cognitive function, and um, just my short-term and long-term memory as well has vastly improved because of that. So. Something I want to just point out. So, not that I want to turn this thing into an infomercial or anything like that, but uh, oh, I know. Oh, it's this food is, for thought. <laughs> literally, yep. literally, it well, is. You are I mean, what you eat. You know, you are. You and are. It's very, very true. And the thing is, we have so much designed against us. We can't possibly counteract all of it. We can't fight all of it. It's overwhelming. But that's where the scriptures say that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. So, if we're doing our part. As best we can. I I learned more about, I mean, I'm the person I am today because I lived an entire lifetime of a seafood diet. I see it, eat it, and don't think about it. And that's my seafood diet. So I pay the price of that. Now I got to be really 
you know, aware of what I'm eating and what is healthy and what isn't healthy. And there is so much junk, that, like you were saying about the corn syrup. Our bodies don't even know how to process it. We right. it, it, it mystifies our body because it's not natural. We don't know how to process it. So we store up as fat. It yep. lives in the liver and we get fatty livers yeah. because of it. Yeah, well, exactly. And so one of the things being a diabetic where I can't process, um, you know, sugars anyway, carbohydrates. So I've been taking this um, slim. Um, oh, what the heck is the name of it now? Um, I've been taking a colon cleansing tea every night so that the next morning I'm flushed. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's TMI. It's, yeah, for those of us out here that, that visualize things, that was uh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but the thing is, but the thing is, I don't store anything up because I don't keep anything in me to store it up. Uh-huh. Right. And so, you know, I lost with the esophageal cancer. I lost uh, forty-eight pounds. Praise the Lord. And I've kept it all off. I do exercise, but not as much as I should. But I've been eating as good and as healthy as I possibly can afford. And by taking this colon cleansing, I don't store anything up as fat. I get rid of it the very next day, every day. Mm-hmm. And because I do that, I've been keeping the weight off. I am. Uh, I was a Stay Puff Marshmallow Man at one time, and now I'm Slim Jim, and I'm keeping Slim Jim. I like Slim Jim. Gosh, I can see my toes now. And- one of the my favorite memories is visiting Roswell was going with you to Golden Corral. We had we had a lot of good meals. <laughs> yeah, it's still my favorite place. We got we got two of them here in Michigan. <laughs> and think about it, um, I was only what five blocks away from Golden Corral. I could I could walk from my mobile home across the street. Uh, Although you never did. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in. <laughs> You know, I, I could actually share a, t- a quick testimony about fasting. Okay. Um, so, like, when I came to the Lord, I was on, a, you know, an addiction medication, you know, like Suboxone, Subutex. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, God really pressed it on me like I had to get 100% clean. So, uh, he, he set it up and he, he had me taper down and, and, Eventually, when he uh, when it was time for me to get off, he told me to fast. So what I did was I just drank purified water for four yep. days, and that was it. While I while I was getting off my medication, and I literally had no mental withdrawals. I had some physical, you know, I had muscle aches, but praise the Lord, like there's some there's something to fasting, and there is. Yeah. There's a big thing to it. I, it 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 resets a lot of things inside the body. I know that it does. So, yeah. And spiritually, if you can discipline yourself and um, do it as unto the Lord, you get much clarity, uh, more clarity of thought and, and communication with the Lord, um, because you're denying your body some of its basic, you know, most basic needs. So in that loss, you're gaining uh, spiritually. Um, Mm-hmm. What otherwise is kind of almost a diversionary process. And I think it's funny, you know, <coughs> the biggest thing that Christians do anymore is they get together and eat. It's very true. I mean, you know, it's like what we're supposed to be doing is fasting and praying together as a group, but we are really very good at, at eating. <laughs> but, uh, true. 
but it has a spot too because that's part of Koinonia breaking uh, bread together. Yeah. yeah, so it is a good thing. But, and bread's another thing that's not very good for you anymore because they've they have they have messed around with the taking all the, the DNA of, of of the wheat so much that it's it's not even bread anymore to tell you the truth. I don't know what it is. It's, yeah, they 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 well, play some artificial stuff into into the bread in North America. So. Yeah. If you go to Europe yet, though, if you go to Europe, uh, they pretty much banned all the, the things that we do to our wheat um, there. So you can go to France or Italy or whatever and get bread that doesn't do what it does to you here in the right. States. Right. So I had a loaf of white bread and I've had it in my uh, bread box sometimes over a month. Yikes. And it, it doesn't it get doesn't get moldy. It doesn't. Do yeah. Well. But I can throw it out for the birds and for the ants. The ants won't even eat it. They know something I don't know. They don't eat it. It's like, man, what is this stuff? This white stuff. It's it's not bread. Well, Kirk, uh, you know, that's right. Um, Mr. Hovine, I can't remember his first name right now. Uh, Ken. Ken. Ken uh, Hovine used to say that the whiter the bread, the quicker you're dead. So, and there's probably truth to that statement. You know, I know my both my wife and I, if we, you know, if we stick to a low carb diet, you know, we don't feel bloated. We don't feel we feel like we're losing weight. We feel better. The minute that we decide to have a cheat day and go have a hamburger, all of a sudden, man, the bloating starts again. So I know yep. it's not the meat I, and or any of the vegetables. It's got to be the bread. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you can get off of bread totally, that's 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 one of the better things yeah, you can do for yourself. And I love bread. I used to take, I could take a, a, a slice of bread, put butter on it, and that's, that's like uh, candy to me. Oh, yeah. I yeah, same here. Love bread. Now, if you put it in the oven and put a little bit of garlic on it, it's even better. <laughs> oh, yeah. I put garlic on everything and anything. I, I don't know. I, there's got to be some Jewish in me somewhere. I don't, I just, yeah. better Italian too. I mean, I, I can't I can't make hardly anything anymore without putting garlic in it. Well, garlic's a good blood thinner, so that's probably a good I, thing yeah. that you're doing. It. Garlic's really good for you. It is, I yeah. know. I, yeah. That's one of my motivations, but I <laughs> I just like it. <coughs> but and I love pasta too. I mean, mm-hmm. pasta I got to keep reminding me. It's really it's hard in this you. world. Yeah, it is. This world, there's so much food everywhere. It's just temptation nonstop. Yeah. It's true. I'm cl- that's why I'm kind of glad we don't live in a city anymore because you can, you know, my favorite place to eat is Jack in a Box. And, <laughs> and I just love their hamburgers. And I know that if I lived in a city, I'd be stopping by Jack in a Box all the time. Yeah. You know, but living out in the sticks, you know, where you only have a store next door, <laughs> a very small one at that, you know, you don't, you can't. I mean, you can go get fast food, but you got to drive. <laughs> You know, 20 miles this way, or you got to drive seven miles that way and stuff. And it's a very good incentive not to, you know, not to uh, stop at those places. However, I work in a city, so that kind of just throws that right out the window. But uh, um, so I, I think that uh, that if we can avoid those places, because those places use pre, uh, what do they call it, prepackaged or um, Oh, I can't think of the word right now, but uh, pre-processed food. Yep. You know, and yeah, uh, pink, pink slime. Yeah, and if it's we can, if we can learn to just, <laughs> yeah, and, and what 
Mr. One thing Taco. about – I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying, you go to Taco Bell, I don't think that stuff's even meat anymore. I don't know what That's, that is. Yeah, it's mystery meat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, in Taco Bell you talk about? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think it's actually uh, a grade meat of just above dog food. Oh. I'm pretty sure that it is, whatever it is. Yep. It's, it's gross. I haven't ate there. I, I remember – I remember fast food from the in the late 50s, early 60s, and there's not one fast food store that makes anything that tastes like real meat used to taste like a real hamburger right. used to be. Just you could tell it was. I mean, you could go to Arby's and they would slice the actual beef right in front of you. Now they slice pre-packaged, pre-processed. Meat that is just mystery meat. I don't know yeah. what, it is, but it's not, you know, it's not the real thing. So I mean, we have taken and digressed so far in in forty some years to where none of the to me none of the fast food hamburgers taste like real hamburgers that I remember growing up with as a kid. They're mm-hmm. totally different. They're just I don't know. They're they're weird. Yeah. <clears throat> And, you know, I don't know if you've noticed this, too, but and, and I, I really don't want to offend anybody. So please take this in the spirit that it's meant. I'm speaking to the audience. I've noticed that there the the number of overweight people has grown exponentially over the last 10 or 10 to 15 years. I mean, I, I go I go we go shopping, you know, in a local in a market in a town away from here. And and uh, or if you go to a lot of times, <laughs> I know. Eric, don't don't get on me too bad about this, but sometimes we'll go to Walmart and do some shopping, and we we try to be careful about what we buy because you know you you can buy total garbage at Walmart. <laughs> but, oh yeah. Um, uh, and and I noticed the people walking up and down the aisles. You know they're they're uh, they're very large. So let's just put it that way. And, you know, I, and I mean when you got people that are, and, and I always get. <laughs> I go into the bank a lot of times, and I once worked in a pharmacy where they had a drive-up window, and I always said to, you know, the people that came up to the drive-up window were the ones that could benefit the most from getting out and coming into the store, you know. And uh, But, you know, you, you see people, you know, there more and more people are, are, are riding on those those little carts that Walmart has now, you know, the, the, the little machines, you know, that they can sit on and shop with little baskets in them and, Yep. And it used to be you never saw those things, you know, and and now you see them all the time. And and and, and there's some other things you see at Walmart that you like to forget every time you leave. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but anyway, um, so I, I I'm really torn because you know eating out is 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 an easy thing to do, okay. Although it's getting to be quite expensive anymore, but. Um, you know, you don't have to do dishes afterwards. You uh, you just go home and lie around fat and sassy, so to speak. But um, I think that it's going to get to the point where these places are so expensive to eat at anymore that actually cooking at home is going to be, you know, much more advantageous financially as well as health-wise. Now, around here, because we have lots and lots of cattle around here, lots of people with chickens, you can buy fresh eggs, uh Another store having the other day, um, two dozen for three dollars, you know, and so you can you can get fresh food and the beef here is all grass fed, so you know you don't 
have That's a lot perfect. of junk. And they don't, they don't inject them with hormones or anything else. And, um, so we're, 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 we're quite blessed living here and, and being able to have those things. But, uh, I just feel bad for the people that live in this, in the cities and, and, and that can't attain things like that. It's, it's almost, uh, it reminds me a lot of that Twilight Zone episode to serve man. Uh, remember at the end when the alien comes in and goes, you really ought to eat your dinner. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. But, Mr. Um, Chambers, it's a cookbook. Yeah. <laughs> there's some there's some scripture to back up, like eating healthy. And I think it's in Daniel where he, he has their, you know, they eat just you know, fruits and vegetables and right. they end up feeling a lot better. And they were stronger. And they, yeah. And I mean, I mean, obviously meat's okay because God would have, you know, the Levites sacrifice all the time and, you know, eat what they sacrificed. And mm-hmm. I think God takes pleasure in us, you know, in our satisfaction, you know, not overindulging, but, you know, God takes pleasure through us in a sense. I kind of find that kind of based on your genetic makeup, um, some people um, do real well on almost an all carnivore type meat diet with some vegetables or some people do real well with a little bit of meat and a lot of vegetables. Um, I think, I think it's, it's not a one size fits all from what I can see, but I do think genetics do play a, uh, a role in that as far as what your body will tolerate. So, right. Well, before the flood, um, if you read in, in first Enoch, it said that, uh, that the, uh, the Nephilim, when they had, uh, ex- uh, they were, they, they ate all the, um, all the, uh, things that men produced, you know, and, and it says that when, when that, that time at the time, when the time came that those things ran out, that they just started to eat men, you know. They consume they consume yeah. people. And, and they got mad cow right? Huh? <laughs> I said then they got mad cow disease. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. Or you know whatever that is that uh, Hillary's got. What, what's they call Kuru. it? Kuru. We're talking about Kuru, Kuru. cannibalism. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, but you got to you got to think which Hillary you're talking about. There's like five of them out there, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there are. She's got about four body doubles. <clears throat> yeah, so. I do know that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because the, they showed the one, um, uh, the hips and everything, totally different person. They're totally, you know, the face looked the same, but the, the whole body frame and everything was totally different. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know. That's that's a whole other subject, I guess. But uh, <laughs> it someday it, might be revealed for what it really well, I, I've heard of even things, the the cloning stations. I don't know if you've ever heard of that as well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where they have like multiple, you know, multiple clones of Hollywood celebs that are out there, you know, <laughs> doing their acts, and, you know, in multiple places at once. And, mm-hmm. you know, no one knows the difference, right? Yeah. Yeah. And when one clone acts up, they just basically kill it and produce another, you know. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm dead serious. I, I, you think that's nuts? That's I, I am dead no, serious. No, that, that is not beyond the realm of possibility in my in my book. Well, there's a scripture in Job, and it's talking about 
the Antichrist being the firstborn of his kind, but it's also saying that he plows up the depth of hell. Plowing up the depth of hell. What do you do when you're plowing up? You're you're bringing something back. Right. Yep. And so when when people compare um, Obama to one of the dead pharaohs, I don't. You know that stuff isn't science fiction anymore. Right. It's it's reality. Um. You know, Jurassic Park, I swear, there's dinosaurs somewhere on this planet already roaming around, you know, oh, yeah. whether it's Jurassic Park or not. So when when we when we can completely integrate and map out the entire uh, human genome and start hybridizing and mixing and matching and everything, um, when they cut fossilized dinosaur bones oh, and soft tissue in the center, I mean, yeah. there's if you got soft tissue, that means you got bone marrow. That means you got 100% mapping for that particular entity. That's right. So there's T-Rexes around here somewhere. I don't want to run into them. I, I hope I never do, but they're around. I mean, because if we've got the capabilities, we got some scientists um, that simply will do because we because they can. And so they're going to do it. Right. And when you yeah. got... I don't know on the surface itself, Jill, Jim, but I'm thinking inside the Earth. Oh, still yeah. alive. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, you know, um, I've been waiting for the coming. Uh, oh, what was the name of the second one? Um, it's Iron Skies, but it's the second one. It's on the Hollow Earth. Yeah, it was I, supposed. I don't, to... ever, I don't know if it ever came out or not. No, it hasn't come out yet. I, I think it, they were saying it was going to come out this year, and it didn't. So I don't know if it's. I hope they're going to have it come out next year, but. I mean, that thing is all trippy, man. It's just kind of crazy. It's the right. hollow earth. Hitler's riding a T-Rex. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he digs it in his side and, uh, and the T-Rex, you know, those little tiny hands, it goes up to a Heil Hitler. Of course. Oh gosh. <laughs> of course they got Sarah Palin as the reptilian president, you know, and it's right. Hillary, not, not Palin, but, uh, yeah. And of course, and they they make she makes her entrance from the uh, Antarctic. Of course, it's uh, I mean it's just man so much truth in such silly movies. It's funny. Uh, the Coming Race that's the second one. Iron Skies was the first one. The Coming Race is the second one. They've been promising to bring it out, and, and they've had trailers, but they haven't had the actual production. Um, I wish it would you know come out, but. Oh, and uh, next month. Oh, my gosh. That's only a few days away. Whoa. Next month, um, Man in the High Castle, the final episode series is coming out. Nice. And um, this is where um, that's that hypothetical thing where Nazi Germany had nuked um, uh, Washington, D.C., and they won World War II. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, the West Coast is taken by occupied Japan, and the East Coast is uh, the Fourth Reich uh, of uh, Nazi America. And then along the um, uh, Mississippi River is a neutral zone. So fantastic uh, study. I mean, they blend in Parallel the cult- universe kind of thing, huh? Yeah, it's, yeah. and it's it's amazing. Well, it went from a good history, you know, what if kind of a uh, sci-fi movie. Then it went into the Twilight Zone. Now it's a multiverse. Um, 
Hitler had been collecting uh, newsreels from alternate realities, you know, worlds of alternate realities. And one of them had the United States win the war and not lose it. And so the underground got it and they started distributing it and giving it new hope to, hey, you know, somewhere this stuff is real. It's not make believe. And somewhere we in some world, alternate world, we won the war. So, you know what, if they could do it, we can do it. So there there's a resistance building up, you know, because of it. But now they're finding out that the, the Nazis understood uh, parallel worlds. So now they're not only going to try to take over this one. Now they're going to go all throughout time and space and take over all the multiverses oh man well it's interesting that you brought up this because i was going to ask you about this um i've been reading reports lately that robert Mueller's father was a uh was an ss officer and uh responsible for the deaths of uh, a lot of people and answered to himmler himself um have you heard anything about that no i haven't uh something like Probably have to want to check out, maybe. Yeah, well, the, the story is that he, you know, the, the official story is that his father was in the Navy in World War II, and that, uh, uh, but it, people that have tried to trace back his father, uh, all of a sudden there's an abrupt ending. There's nothing before that. So uh, I think that's uh, something that's uh, going to be investigated pretty soon because he, uh, you know, he's he's obviously deep state, and yeah, uh, his, the, you know, he ahead. would be part of the whole gym, the paper. Operation Paperclip. Paper Basically, clip. they they bring all these Nazis over, and then they put them into positions of power within our own government. Oh my right. He's probably simply just a descendant of of his father that was put in initially, and he's just carrying out uh, the agenda. He could right? be right. Check yeah. it out. Check it out. Do some research on it. It's very interesting. Mm. And it answers a lot of questions. It really does. Well, you know, I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yep. You know, he, look what daddy did for a living. You know, yeah. he was an SS officer. Um, yeah. and, you know, we got second, third generation uh, Nazis around here. They're in our politics. I mean, you know, the, our, our undoing, <clears throat> when we brought all these scientists over, <clears throat> not only were they experts in their fields working outside of the box, occult based technology, we know that it got they got it from fallen angels pretending to be aliens. There's a direct connection there. But the other thing that they failed to understand was that those the names of those people were from the privileged elite that had been running this world for the last centuries, thousands of years. Right. They, been the rich elite that they didn't lose the war they just changed addresses moved from germany to america and to base 211 in the antarctic so yeah. um you know they started playing newspeak with us like right out of 1984 hey let's call corporate fascism capitalism it's such an evil wicked thing um and then a younger generation will not even know what capitalism is they'll think corporate fascism is capitalism and then the next thing they're going to want is socialism so right. we'll give them flavors. We'll give them national socialism or communist socialism. One way or another, you're getting socialism crammed down your throat. Right. So now a whole generation of millennials that think Uncle Bernie's the best thing in the world. Oh, please. Oh, did I, Don't did get I tell started you, on that. <laughs> did I tell you the car that was in front of us um, on my way to a radio? I was doing a radio program local here, and the car in front of us had uh, Bernie Sanders uh, for president sticker on it. Uh-huh. And 
license plate was a personalized license plate, you never guess what the license plate said. Red Devil with two horns. Really? Red Devil. Man, what wow. or what? Red Devil, Bernie Sanders. Hey, I get it. That's, <laughs> yeah. So we took, a, we took a picture of it. I still haven't got my copy of it yet, but we took a picture of it on, on uh, my buddy's phone. Yeah, don't put it on the Internet. You can get sued for that. Uh, <laughs> really? That's an invasion of privacy. Yeah. Well, you know, I can't say that I'm a counselor anymore, not in the state of Michigan. I could be sued for uh, practicing without a uh, uh, being without being board certified or having a, a degree in counseling. Even though I've counseled for you know forty some years, I can't be a, call myself a counselor now because I don't have a master's, uh, at least a master's degree in counseling. Yeah. So it's yeah. crazy. You be an advisor. That's what I always say. Well, that's what I've had to change the wording now. I provide information uh, to give people a, a choice to make decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm I'm a dispenser of information, but I'm not a counselor. You remember all that fluff that went on down in Roswell the year we spoke <laughs> down there? You know, I spoke down there with Joe. Yeah. And uh, I, oh. I, st- I still laugh when I think about Peter Robbins, you know, because he's like, well, you know, for every one of those quotes <laughs> from, from Heineck and, and Le- uh I almost said LeVay. <laughs> uh, you know, the other scientist. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jacques Vallée. Yeah. Uh, he says, for every quote that you, you, you get from them, I could give you six quotes of the, him saying the opposite thing. And and he thought he trapped me. And I looked at him and I said, yeah, that's you know, you probably could. I said, but you know what? You, you've used those six quotes or those whatever, how many quotes, all these years, but you've never used the ones that I've quoted. I said, so now there are people out there with the whole picture. And he looked, he kind of looked dumbfounded, and he goes, well, yeah, yeah I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, why don't you put it in historical context? Heineck was all for the Air Force agenda until he found out they were full of crap and just trying to cover up everything. And then he became confrontational with them because he wanted the truth to come out. Right. So the early quotes are because he was naive. The recent quotes are what he ended up believing when he saw how faked out the uh, air force was on all of that exactly and pretty much the same with um uh the way the quran was written is it the median uh perspective or is it uh, mecca it's a world of difference one he was getting along friend and chummy pals with uh christians and jews the others when he became a big powerful warlord it's, let's pack their heads off yeah so you know yep. so which one was it well, under what context? Well, the good so, thing about that is that it's in chronological order. So if you want to read the truth, you go toward the back. You know, it's uh, that's that's where, you know, all the uh, fanaticism and stuff started. And uh, he, he evolved. There is evolution. There, evolved in, hmm? Yeah, Mecca was peaceful. Uh, the Medean ones was when he moved and became a powerful land, you know, landlord and, or warlord, and that was uh, death to the infidel, you know, hack off their opposing hand and feet and, and or their head. Well, Medina was a, a Jewish city at one time, and then he uh, right. he pretty well committed genocide, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, took that city over. But um, Grace yeah. was when he had to, and then uh, the unmerciful was when he didn't have to anymore. Right. So well, he's representing a God that changes his mind a lot, lot, but our God never changed. Same yesterday, today, and forever. Exactly. 
Exactly. And, you know, it's it's all going to culminate some pretty soon, actually, <laughs> um, on the battlefield. You know, um, I know that, uh, you know, we're, we're taking little hits, you know, or hitting a little here and there and stuff like that. But uh, there's going to come a time. You think the Democrats in, in Washington are going crazy now? Wait till the wait till the Islamics realize that, hey, they, you know, they're going to just try to take out Israel right now. You know, um, now it used to be that they had a little bit of fear. Uh, you know, after this, uh, the six day war and the 1973 war. Yeah. But, you know, the, we're talking about new generations that are growing up that really, uh, haven't even stu- either studied that or have been told that, you know, that it wasn't the truth, you know, <laughs> but, um, right. so you got a whole new, um, uh, generation of, uh, Islamics that are, that are, uh, are going to do something very foolish in the future. And that, that leader of Turkey is going to have a lot to do with it. Unfortunately, I believe believe that um, when we have this reset, like keep talking about when it happens, I think Trump is going to finally do some shakedowns on mosques, find out all the laundered money, find out all the guns, find out all the war criminals that have been hidden, uh, the plans that they had designed on America to become a caliphate nation of the Islamic states. Yeah. there's going to be massive deportations of uh, Muslims, and they're going to realize that they're not going to make this country a caliphate nation, an Islamic nation. When they see that their uh, all of their hopes of taking over the United States is gone, out of their sheer maddening anger, they're going to invade Israel. And jihad has its destiny, written in uh, Ezekiel 38, 39th chapter. They're going to be right. burnt for the fowls of the earth on the sides of the mountains in the valley of Megiddo. Uh-huh. They don't. They lose. We win. They That's lose. Right. That's right. There's, that's why I'm not. You know, all these people are scared to death. That you know, oh my gosh, that's the Antichrist, and they're going to take over the world, and everybody's going to get their heads chopped off. No, they're not. They're going to be bird food on the sides of the mountains of Israel. Right. And this, you know, the um, the paperclip scientists, all these things. Where is this all headed? Well, you know, there's three frogs, spirits like frogs. They come out of the mouth of the dragon. They um, come out of the beast, meaning a nation, and then they are motivated, sanctioned by the false prophet. So there's one, two, three. It's originated from Satan. It's motivated by a nation, and then it's it's implemented by a, an individual person. But right. um, there's three frogs, and these are inherently hating this nation of Israel and calling for its annihilation and of its people. And so when you look at what three movements are doing that or have had a history of doing it, that's Islam, communist socialism, and national socialism. And out of the three frogs, you've got two that are going to attack Israel and become bird food on the sites of the mountains. And that's the communist nations working, the communist blocks working with the Islamic nations. That means two frogs are dead and the other one's still in control. Funny. That one is the one that claims to have supernatural technology, advanced knowledge of uh, the secrets of heaven because it came in contact with their ancient Nordic gods and goddesses. And that's national socialism. The Nazis, the proof of, of their own technology through paperclip scientists and everything. Gee whiz, last far of standing. Guess who takes over? For a very short time. 
Yeah. So, you know, it's all, it's all spelled out real easy and to understand in the scriptures. Yeah. I'm amazed at how many people don't want to see that. They don't, you know, I don't know how many people have read my book and they'll, they'll say, well, you know, uh, Jim, you've got some pretty interesting connections and everything, but the only thing that I don't agree with, the only thing that I kind of wonder about that Hitler stuff. I don't know, man. I don't know about that. It's like, yeah, okay. They'll they'll all swear to Hal Lindsey in the Left Behind series. (laughs) Well, you know, and isn't it funny? I mean, you and I both got saved from reading that book, you know, back in the 70s. Um, And again, it's not that he was so horribly wrong. He did the best with what he had at the time. But our understanding and knowledge has has multiplied so much since then. I mean, to think that that, uh, uh, the Euphrates River is going to stop 200 million soldiers of China coming over to uh, the final battle of Armageddon. Yeah. You look up, you know, that's where, um, you know, our old friend that used to um, be in our Pell Talk chat room, uh, John Cormick, he actually found the book written by um, an 18th century or 19th century um, theologian, Christian theologian, uh, Cosmic Problem Solved. Talking about the hollow earth and talking about Eden being on the inside of the earth. And so Cain was sentenced to wander in the land of God east of Eden. He's saying that's inside the world. And what's inside the world is coming out in the last days. That's where the deception is. That's where the invasion is. Um, and I don't know that. Yeah, I, I think he was saying that the holes at the poles were the, the literal physical openings. And it was always in reference that the, the waters were flowing inside the earth from the North Pole and then coming back out from the South Pole. And Helena Blasky called the South Pole as the pit or the orifice where everything comes back out. And I got you, the guy was onto something. You know, it, it, it corresponded almost identical to a counterpart of Helena Blasky's, you know, perception of, of everything. And uh, so instead of looking in the Middle East for a fourth river that never existed, um, <clears throat> we need to be looking at inside the Earth and where are the openings from, and it's in the Antarctic. Not major fulfillments of that prophecy is happening in the Antarctic, not not in the Middle East over, you know, in the river Euphrates. So, of course, I, I've heard, I don't know, but I've heard that um, that my videos on that have gone viral over in China. I guess right. they're pretty known because I'm, I'm giving them hope. I'm saying, hey, guys, guess what? You're not the ones that make the final invasion. In Joel's second chapter, it says that this is a gathering of people that have never existed before and will never exist again afterward. Right. So that ain't you. This is something that isn't even fully human. Mm-hmm. Good news well, for them. They like that. Your average <laughs> um, Chinese person, when you talk with them, they're, you know, they've, they've been demonized since 1949. <laughs> and the average Chinese person just wants to live just like everybody else. Yep. You know, it's 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 always the governments and the politicos that that make it seem like all that whole population was you know would would want to go to war with us and that's not true. It's just well, mark my, mark my words, uh, China will be a Christian nation. Its government will will change and it will support Israel. Yeah. Right. That right. day is coming. 
um, when they're they're already projecting the the massive revival that's going on in China right now. Um, if it continues on the course that it's going, um, they're going to be a Christian nation, and we're going to be more of a pagan nation than they are. They're going to yes. be more of a Christian nation. They're probably going to come here and evangelize us. If there's well, if there's anything left by then, but <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> um, that's encouraging to know. You know, it, it's. One thing is kind of interesting. I haven't. I still haven't. I've been delaying it. I haven't gotten rid of Netflix yet because there's there's a lot of foreign movies that I've been watching that I really enjoy looking at because that's what they're showing. It's that they've got the same hopes, fears, dreams, um, uh, desires that we have. You know, there's now there's a couple of Chinese movies. One is called The Wandering Earth, mm-hmm. and gosh, man, it's it's so cool. Um, you know, it's they're 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 kind of a post-apocalyptic. One is an alien abduct or an alien, you know, invasion thing. The other one is uh, just an apocalyptic one. But both of them are showing uh, the people as being just regular everyday people. Yeah. There was yeah. there was a time travel one. It was Spanish and it was actually centered around Spain. And I never really realized how uh, in the 1500s, 1600s, Spain literally was the global dominant force throughout they the world. They were. Yeah. yeah. Until until the British uh, sank their fleet. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, they were they were very influential around the world. Well, you wouldn't so, have you wouldn't have Latin America uh, and everything else if it wasn't for the Spanish. Well, and so yeah. what this was this was a this was a modern day Spain that had a uh, a door cave system of doors or whatever, um, and they time traveled to maintain a certain amount of order in, in history. Uh, it was called the Ministry of Time. I loved it. It was great. Uh, talk, uh, let's see, what was it? Uh, Tommy Takamata's dad ended up becoming a, a major agent for us. I mean, for you know, for the uh, the Spanish. Um, Tommy Takamata was the Spanish Inquisitor during the Inquisi- Spanish Inquisitions. Right, right. And not a real nice guy, real bad guy. But it's funny how they portrayed the Americans. We, when we discovered a, a way of time traveling, we commercialized it and sold uh, tours to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> they were weaponizing it and trying to defend humanity, and we're sitting there selling it. <laughs> It was it was hilarious, but it again it just it you know it gave me a whole different appreciation of uh, that section of uh, society. There was another one, and this was uh, from a Scottish view. Um, and boy, you get a real deep appreciation for the independent sense of the Scots and how it's even influenced our society today and early America. Right. So more so than I ever thought it was impact. That's I I guess where I really liked those. Both of those, that they were pretty true to history, from maybe from their perspective, but still very true to uh, actual history. So it was pretty interesting. But anyways, cool. in, uh, from China, and it, it's really interesting to see their own perspective of it. They're really not too much difference. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you said, we we all just want to try to you know live peaceably amongst each other. It's the elite that always stir everything up and try to get us to war and fight each other so they can make a profit. Well, that, that's that what one prophecy in, um, I think it's in Isaiah, <laughs> they'll beat their uh, 
spear uh, their spears in the plow uh, prune shares and their their swords in the plowing hooks or something like that. And mm. but if you keep reading, because a lot of people stop right there, and it says and it says and they will no longer <laughs> like to make war anymore. Yeah. You know, it's 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 the elites that like to make war. Actually, it's the bankers. If you want yep. to get, if you want to go down to brass tacks, it's the bankers because the bankers always make money when there's a war. And um, but uh, you know, it's uh, there's a day coming when that's going to all end. That's with the return of Jesus, of course, and um, it's, it's going to be a sorrowful day for the any bankers that are left. Um, or, you know, or anything like that, but because uh, the population of the earth is going to be almost decimated at that time, but, yeah, um, it'll it'll be. That's why I can never understand the NAR theology. You know, oh, we're going to make the earth better so that when Jesus comes back, we're going to present him a perfect earth. I'm like, what Bible are you reading from? <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, you got the alternate universe. You remember we we're talking about multiverse? Boy, I don't know what world they came from, but it's not ours. Yeah, I know, I know. And they just keep they keep getting stranger and stranger and getting into more uh, weirder and weirder uh, theology. You know, it's, the, seven uh, mountain, the seven mountain thing makes all the sense in the world because that's just simply seven different um, cultural aspects of any nation, and that's how. The enemy has come in and infiltrated it, so how you unwind it is the same way. But you know what? You're not going to do it any more than at best maybe three and a half years of the first part of the tribulation will be actually a fun time. But it's you, we're not presenting a world, oh, here, Jesus, we made it sparkling clean for you now so you can come back. Uh-huh. And the heck are you getting that one from? Yeah. I'm, my Jesus said, except these days be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, I will shorten these days. Our best efforts are going to bring total annihilation. Well, and guess what? Fukushima's already done that. Done a oh, yeah. dandy job. I mean, you know, it's just a simple math problem. The the three days at Chernobyl had an effect of 250,000 people for three days. And we've gotten, what, um how it's been almost a how many oh, years 2007 or 2008 right around uh, there i think it was 2011 i think oh was, was it okay yeah so we got nine years on nine years and it's still barfing out in the ocean and in the sky guess what this whole world's dead yeah you're wondering why everybody's dropping off uh, cancer and everything um uh, yeah mm. because we're we're breathing and eating fukushima mm. all the time it's all over the world oh and even worse than where you guys are at on the West Coast, the way the jet streams have been, uh, El Nino or whatever you want to call it, weather modification, the uh-huh. jet streams, the way they've been going, <clears throat> Fukushima's air um, um, nuclear dust hits more in Michigan than it does on the West Coast. Yeah, that's true. Yum, yum. Yeah, because most so, of the time it, it, it goes up above us and it goes into British Columbia and then swoops down. And swoops right down on, on in uh, Upper Peninsula of Michigan and down to Detroit, where I'm yeah, at. Exactly. Yeah, he's breathing in. So, but you know, for ten, almost ten years, we have been the whole world is literally baptized. We're wondering why sharks are coming and eating people on the west, the east coast, and why um, whales and every and strange life that's never been seen before is washing up on the shores on the west coast. It's because uh, one third of the life of, of all of the oceans are dying, just as the Bible said it would. Yeah. Mm. But if you that's look at the Pacific, that's about a third. <laughs> yep. Yeah, all the coral reefs are dying. Yep. 
It's because, uh, you know, Fukushima has, you know, has done it. Mm-hmm. That's probably the wormwood. Yeah, hmm. I have no idea. I, I have no doubt about it, actually. So that was wormwood. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the star from the sky, from the sky does, doesn't necessarily have to be a real star because angels are equated as stars. Yep. So it could have been a, an angel that fell from from the sky and uh, and created the earthquake and which created the the disaster that's still happening. So it's uh, we often <laughs> we often take things a little too literally. We don't use parties to look at the scriptures, you know, and and to realize that you know a star has several different meanings in, in scripture and it's not always a uh, a light up in the sky or a meteorite that crashes the earth, you know, it's uh, exactly. yep. a, a star could even mean <laughs> us. I mean, like our souls are made of light and we're made from the stars. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it could, uh, you know, it's, there's the, the main thing is that it happened and it's still happening and, uh, it's, it's set things into motion. That's for sure. And, uh, uh, so, you know, so I imagine if a cosmic Christ come down, um, and offered an eternal body, they'll never die. You know, by the way, you guys, you know, you're all dying. All right, yeah. Um, you know, this little Fukushima thing is pretty much extinct. It, you know, wiped you out. So that's why I come back because if I didn't come back, there wouldn't be anything left. So here's what we got uh, to offer you: <clears throat> an eternal environment and an eternal body. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you're gonna die without it. So you know. So yeah, you here, vote in every garage. <laughs> I, I don't want the U-boat. I want the Hanabu. Give me an old Hanabu. I'll be happy with that. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Hey, guys, you're going to get be turning into a pumpkin here hey, pretty yep. soon. Yes, yep. It's, yep, we're three minutes past pumpkin time. Does Ron know about pumpkin time? No, I'll, I'll <laughs> tell him all about it, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to think oh, we're crazy. No, he's, he's got to work tomorrow, so um, he's going to know about pumpkin time. Oh, okay. okay. You, don't home, you don't get home before midnight, you turn into pumpkin, right? You know, just sell a real thing. <laughs> so pumpkin time means, you know, we got it's time to wrap up and go home. Yeah. Pumpkin so, time. Because you guys are future guys. I'm still living in the past. That's only right. 30 here. Yeah, uh, you want them lotto numbers now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if only. Yeah, we tried that. It didn't work, right? Oh, uh, we, we'd have... Uh, We'd have, uh, you know, what is it, uh, WOTM and KOTM radios here in the United States and television stations and everything else. It's uh, We'd really be getting the word out. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, well, Ron, I want to thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure, and it's a nice, nice to meet you. And uh, I hope you can find your way to be on some more often. I think that would be wonderful. Yeah, I would love to. I, I enjoyed it. Appreciate everything. Well, cool, cool. And uh, you really got my mind going with this, this, uh, the the chakra colors and how they equate to the seven deadly sins. Uh, one more question before you go. It does. It does. Say, I was reading up on it while we were talking, and it says there's there's nine. The uh, the upper one is uh, one is silver. No, one's gold and one's platinum. Is that just like a royalty thing or something? Or um. I don't know. I just kind of trust what God leads me to. And, oh, okay. You know, I just gave you the basic keys to it. There's a lot more to it. And I'll, I'll give you this, and I'll, we'll leave on this because this is pretty cool. 
someone had told me that the number five, they kept seeing it. And they're like, oh, number five means God's mercy. And I was like, that's not what God told me. It was actually the opposite. Uh-huh. So so I was asking, I was praying, I was asking God. I'm like, okay, God, uh, what's the number five mean and what's the number four mean? And what he showed me, what he told me, he was like, well, think about the Torah. The Torah is the law. The Torah is my judgment. How many books are in the Torah? I'm like, five. Uh-huh. And he's like, think about the gospel. That's my grace. That's my mercy. How many books are in that? I'm like, four. So, all right, four is mercy. Five is judgment. Whoa. Whoa, man, that's heavy. But what's cool about it is that four comes before five, so God's mercy came before his oh, judgment. Before judgment, amen. Yep. Right, right. There's many, yep. many ways of looking at, you know, just numbers and consistency. It's pretty cool. Well, the Gospel of Genesis proves that out right there. I got stuck know. with 10 13. You think that isn't a load to... But we've already been through that. <laughs> it's pretty okay, cool. folks. Well, we we've enjoyed being with you, uh, the audience, and uh, with ourselves. Uh, it's been a very revealing and a very wonderful night that we've all spent together. And so, uh, until we meet again next Monday, um, the Lord bless every one of you. Again, thank you, Ron. You've been a blessing, and uh, pronounce a blessing on you in the name of Jesus. And uh, the Lord. I, yeah, guys, have a wonderful week, okay, everybody, uh, audience and, and guests here included. And uh, and uh, we will see you next Monday night. And if you're so free, uh, stop in on Wednesday night, too, because Ralph and I will be doing something else. So, But um, anyway, have a, uh, have a blessed week, guys, and, and everybody else in, in the name of Jesus. Okay, good night, everybody. God good bless. night, y'all. All right, God bless.